movie marks. The portal has opened. The movie marks interdimensional barbershop window is fully powered and will show us a world much like ours, but slightly different. Today on the show, we enter a world where Martin Scorsese and Nia Vardalis switched places. <laughs> in this world, Marty broke in through his hit indie comedy, My Big Fat Italian Wedding, and Nia, she made Greek mob movies. <laughs> in this alternate dimension is where our film comes from today. We're the movie marks, and today we are grappling with Empire State, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Welcome to the Movie Marks, the podcast where we discuss movies starring professional wrestlers who act like amateurs. I'm Chris Sacco, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the Sasha Banks to my Bailey, Chris Kramer. Oh, thank you. I, I do uh, drive everywhere in the back of a Hummer. <laughs> yeah, I almost I almost gave myself Sasha just so I could say I was on The Mandalorian. But <laughs> So before we get to today's, uh, I don't know, thriller? I don't know what this thing is. <laughs> Uh, we, we do have uh, <laughs> some listener feedback into the toll-free hotline. Going to make that stick. <laughs> Dave wrote in to say that he enjoyed our Dune trivia special. So, uh, so that's fun. But his favorite part of that episode was that there was a television pilot starring Rowdy Piper and Jesse Ventura that he didn't know about. This sounds like he listened to the show in reverse, first of all. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, maybe the one part was fresher in his mind when <laughs> he was writing. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, keep his name down, because if we want to self-produce a, a spinoff of this, we're going to need him. That makes three. <laughs> three. Oh, you're actually keeping tabs on the people we're, we're going to put into yeah. service and in future work? Okay. Right. The people that we're going to hustle money off of the, for our passion project, Tag Team 2000. <laughs> I like how even your passion project is somehow a period piece that's outdated <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Alrighty, so so let's get into this one. We have uh, 2013's Empire State, which is a direct-to-DVD uh, movie. It's directed by Dito Montiel. Does he have anything else he's done? He's done uh, 10 movies or so. Um, they're all relatively small scale like this. Um, I've never heard of any of them. So, I mean, he's working. He's He's got one in production now. So, Oh, good for him. Oh, and not to step on your toes too much, but... This film was released in theaters in Croatia. Yeah, okay, you're, you're right about that, because it does have... Uh, I, did you look up the box office numbers? Because I did. I did, because it was silly. Yeah, it made like, uh, I don't know, like 200 grand or something. <laughs> and of all the films to be released in Croatia, that seems... A film in in New York featuring all Greek characters is released in Croatia. I don't know. Anyway, uh, our, we, we uh, are introduced to this film by some of the fakest-looking production logos I've ever seen. They went on forever. Th there's about 12 of them, and they all look as though they were hand-drawn at, like, a sizzler while you're waiting for your order to come in or something. It's, they, they, they forgot about it till the day of editing. It's, it's remarkable how many and how cheesy they all are. They're all those vague, like, three-letter production companies, and then they're just three letters with different colors. It's really... Some kind of look like film. Some kind of have lightning with them. You know what they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then our, our movie starts with uh, news footage, and this is actual news footage, talking about a heist that was apparently the largest cash 
heist in the history of the world or I don't know something. But these are actual news footages of like local New York TV channels. So after this news footage talking about this robbery where, you know, something like eight million dollars was stolen in cash, we see the only person we care about. Dwayne Johnson pops in. Yes, and I was very happy to see normal-sized rock. Yes, he looks like a human here. And he says, uh, like a vague line, he's talking directly to the camera, and he says, you know, you need to tell us where the money is and where Chris is. And then the, you know, the screen cuts off, so that's going to set up our thing. This reeks of, we need to get the rock into the movie earlier. Because this plot device, where then they go back in time to fill in the gaps, is completely ineffective. It's not, like, interesting, like, oh, I wonder where Chris and the money are. Like, it's it's not, who cares? So the only reason to do this was to have The Rock be the first person on screen. Definitely. This feels like it was a call made after they test screened it and people wanted more Rock in the picture. Yeah, I mean, more, yeah, because there, there's, it's completely uninteresting. And by the time this gets called back... You're like, yeah, that happened, but who cares? It was, It's not even interesting or, like, exciting. The person he's talking to, you don't really care about. You know, sometimes you do that, and it's like, oh, who's he talking to? You know, but you don't know any of these fucking people, so who cares? And and I'm also surprised that I, it, you know, we don't, I don't know anything about these movies. So all I know is sort of the box art of the DVD that I see, you know, scattered around the internet. Uh, you mean the box for this one, where clearly The Rock is the only person in this movie? Well, yeah, I mean, and then, and then and then a Hemsworth and then Emma Roberts. Those are the people you see on, on the box art. But also it looks like every other modern thriller, like it looks like the cover of Countdown or Interrogation. These all look the same or Inside Out. They're just heads and they're like in action-y poses. Yep, they're all Photoshopped. <laughs> right, but this movie is a period piece. It takes place in 1982 and none of the people on the box cover are dressed like that. <laughs> Uh, I mean, also, this movie, I feel like, gives up on the period piece. It says it's in the 80s, and then kind of just that's the extent of it. Yeah, the, some of the location work is okay. That That's actually one of the bright spots that they do a lot of, uh, they have a lot of, like, vintage cars that are in the background. So a lot of that, but you're right. Then in backgrounds, you'll see modern logos that completely take you out. And no one really is wearing clothes that are particularly seem very 80s. Not even close. Uh, Liam Hemsworth, who is our lead character in this movie, he is, and most of his close friends are, but The Rock is basically just dressed like The Rock. Like, like he's wearing, like, the $500 shirts that he wears. Yep. Yeah, so this movie takes place in 1982. I don't know. I thought that was weird, but there we go. Uh, first scene, we, uh, we meet, like I said, Liam Hemsworth. He's playing a character named Chris. Uh, we learn that he's of uh, he's of Greek descent, which I don't know why you cast Liam Hemsworth if you want a, <laughs> a character of Greek descent. He's about yeah. as opposite to Greek as you can get. His blonde, flowing Australian hair. It's it's pretty rough. He's and his best friend is Eddie, and he's played by I'm going to say his name wrong. It's it's Michael An- Angarano. Okay. Who I know he's on This Is Us, so that's how I know him. And I just want to state that throughout the rest of this description. I have never hated a character more in my life than this Eddie character. The Eddie character is rough. He's he's a rough character. Th- this guy is a pretty good actor. This character is really, really bothersome. Also bothersome is that within like the first five or six lines of dialogue, this movie is aggressively racist and sexist. Oh, it's immediately from the go. Like really and like shockingly so. And the movie kind of takes pride in it. And I'm not going to repeat some of like they don't use any words. But it's all, like, vague, there's a reason, you know, we're saying this stuff. And it made right. me, like, very uncomfortable. 
So I'm, I'm not going to repeat any of it, but just be aware that <laughs> this movie is offensive quickly and a lot. So they're just driving around town. Like I said, some of the location works pretty good. It looks like sort of, you know, mid-80s New York. They're driving around. And uh, we're getting their backstory. Obviously, Eddie is sort of a ne'er-do-well. Uh, he's always looking for the next, you know, thing where he can get money. And he's telling Chris about all this. Chris wants to make something of himself. He wants to get into the police academy. He's, cl- he's very clean cut and he's kind. And so they're showing the dichotomy between those two. And our opening scene is them delivering a statue, <laughs> which I don't, it's like a, it's like a, like a Greek statue. It's like, looks like the statue of David or something. And they're just carrying it into, I guess, Chris's mother's backyard. I don't know what, what any of this is. Yeah. And she uh, doesn't want it. Clearly it's yeah. even more bizarre. They just showed up with like a full size statue. We never get any explanation why this is happening. They just roll in with a statue, and she's like, yeah, I guess put it over there. And then they just put it in, like, this quad in the back of their house. So very very weird, and led me to one of my early notes, which is, what is this movie? <laughs> like, what, what, is, what, am I, what am I experiencing right now? Very quickly, we cut to another scene. Uh, Chris goes to, like, a local bar, like a restaurant or something, to visit his dad. And his dad is in the bathroom fixing a stall and they they have an exchange and it's all like backstory nonsense where his dad has been basically a handyman. Yes, his father is mob janitor. Right. He, he's a handyman for the Greek mob and has been doing this for a while. And he just does odd like he's not in the mob, but he does odd jobs for them. So today he's fixing a bathroom stall. Sure. I like, too, that he goes here to see his father, and when he actually meets his father, the actor playing his father is about three to four feet shorter than him. These people look (laughs) not related in the least. No, his father actually looks kind of (laughs) Greek. Yeah, no, his his father is excellently cast. Him, no. Liam Hemsworth, of course, looks vaguely like Thor, so he's not really (laughs) pulling off the Greek thing. Um, Anyway, they're in this... This is... It's so... It's it's as though they didn't have a script and they were just like, all right, now we're doing the bathroom scene. Go. And it's just like things occur. So now into the bath. So Chris is in the bathroom just hanging out like, like while his father picks a toilet. I don't know why you couldn't have this conversation at home. They live together. But then uh, the head of the Greek mob comes in a character named Spiro. And he's played by a pretty well-known actor that I'm going to butcher his name, but it's Chris Diamatopoulos. Am I close? I'm probably not even close. I'm sorry. I did what I could. <laughs> but but he's a he's a pretty well known actor. He's pot. He's been in Arrested Development and tons of other stuff. He's actually more of a comedic actor and he's pretty good. But he's playing the head of the Greek uh, mob in this section of New York. And so he's his he's Chris's father's boss. And immediately Chris is just like blatantly disrespectful to this guy. For really no reason. Like, the guy wasn't even being mean to Chris's father, you know? No, it was just small talk. And also, Chris is aware this is the head of the Greek mob, right? I mean, not only is it the head of the Greek mob, but it's also, like, this is your dad's boss. <laughs> like, like my dad worked for the post office for a long time. If I rolled into the postmaster and started being that mean, my dad was going to lose his job. Like, <laughs> like, forget the mob part. This is just not how you do things. There, there's, a, there's a semi-physical altercation, also very weird. I don't know what they're setting up with this. And then 
Chris's dad feels he has to step up to the the Spiro as well. Which don't know why that happened. Chris leaves, and it's just kind of that's how the scene ends. I don't know. Our, our next scene is we spend a lot of time at a diner in this one because again it takes place in New York. So our our next scene we meet um Chris and Eddie bump into some of their friends, and one of Chris's friends is played by Turtle from Entourage. So that was exciting. It sure is. And this is definitely during Entourage time, right? Mm, I don't think so, no. This is 2013. Because, oh. Because this man has barely any lines in this movie. Uh, well, I, I mean, it was probably right after Entourage when he was looking for, the, like, the next... This might be in between the show and the Entourage movie. How about that? Because oh, okay, I'm pretty yeah. sure the show was done and he was looking for other, you know, what's my next non-Turtle role kind of thing. <laughs> And then I think that's all he's casted in since then. No, he's he's been a. You always do this. He's been a. He's a regular on a like a, like a Stars TV series or something. You that's not real. You know nothing counts on Stars. Okay, look, he's getting paychecks. All right. So and and that's that's how we qualify all success. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, it reeks of that he even as he can't get a lot of work. He was probably very expensive, so that is why he does not do a lot in this movie. But anyway, Turtle, it's Jerry Ferrara is his name. Turtle from Entourage is one of his friends. And we learned that him and this guy, Mike, are also kind of affiliated with the Greek mob. And they're always, they're basically who Eddie wants to be. They they have some some scams running. They're making a little bit of money. And Eddie kind of looks up to them. Chris couldn't care less because Chris, of course, wants to get into law enforcement. So he, he these are just people he knows from the neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, even with all this, if Chris wants to be a cop, why is he hanging around any of these people? Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's not a great idea, but it also that's sort of how all these movies are structured. Like if this was a good movie, that would be present, too. I mean, in The Godfather, that's kind of the whole push of Michael's character that he he was he's just entangled with these people that he can't get away from, even when he's, you know, a war hero. So so these movies always kind of have that, like that the neighborhood is what brings you down. It's not yourself. So fine. But. (laughs) And, and even Turtle, I don't even know his fucking character name, but even Turtle, he's not, those two don't appear to be, like, bad at being criminals like Eddie is. Eddie is a fucking mess. He's the one who's going to bring Chris down. You can see it all along. So th- these scenes are already repetitive. We're, like, six minutes into this movie, and I feel like I've seen the same scene five times. Um, there's a diner scene. The other two guys leave. Eddie's, again, babbling about how he wants money. And then Chris gets up, and this is one of my favorite lines of dialogue in the history of cinema. He gets up. And says, I'm going to go do a piss. <laughs> is that how humans communicate? Because I've never said that. I mean, going forward, yes. I will be doing <laughs> piss all the time. I'm going to go do be a piss. I'll pro- be predominantly a piss doer going forward. <laughs> so weird. Uh, on the way to do a piss, he bumps into Nancy the Waitress. This character. Nancy is played by uh, Emma Roberts, who, of course... Since since this this starring role has gone on to do bigger and better things, she she is the niece of Julie Roberts and all that, and she contributes nothing to this scene. She's just like a lady he knows, and they chat for a little bit. There's no it doesn't advance the plot. There's no chemistry. It doesn't show that they have a thing. It's nothing. She just exists, and then she's moves a on. woman in this movie that he might be into. We can't tell. Yeah, no, it's it's just it never goes further than this hi, do you want coffee scene or whatever. So Chris is uh Chris finds out that he can't get into the police academy because he was with Eddie at a concert 
where Eddie was caught with drugs, and for some reason that got onto Chris's permanent record. I don't know how that works, but... So now anytime he applies to be a cop, he gets rejected, basically, and so this is all Eddie's fault. So now that he's desperate for work, Chris looks for, finds, and gets a job as a security guard in about 12 seconds of screen time. Listen, I am always a fan of the classic, let me look at the job postings in the newspaper and circle it scene that these movies have. Yeah, and and this one is, is particularly ridiculous. Now, I don't know if this is how life works, much like the doing a piss thing, but... He gets this job off like they show the interview. It's not good. Like he, he's basically bad mouthing the job saying you're not going to pay me enough. He gets the job and then his job is to be a security guard for an armored truck company that is allowed to also carry a weapon. And he gets this job seemingly with no qualifications off the street, and then the next day he's driving around in a car with a shotgun protecting loads of money. This seems like wildly the way you, the, not the way you would do this. No, I think they're trying to really go over the top to establish that this place is poorly run, which is kind of a key to the, the scheme. I, I mean, I suppose, but it is so weird because the movie just shifts. Like, one scene, he's just in this, like, whole, like, you know, small-knit Greek community with his family. And then the next scene, he's just cruising around New York with this other character showing him the ropes of the armored car industry. It's really <laughs> jarring. The ins and outs. Hey, listen, this other guy is great. The minute he, he showed us the picture of his family, I knew he was going to die. Yeah, no, the, the, the minute he rolled in, you knew he was going to die. <laughs> Um, so, so this driving around New York picking up money scene is interesting to me because this is the moment when I realized, or I guess sort of hypothesized, is this movie meant to be like a love story to this section and time period of New York? Is that what they wanted? Because they drive around to like all the local spots to pick up money. And it was just very weird. It felt like a travelogue with this guy narrating. Yeah, it, it, it was doing the thing where it's a New York film, so it wants to lean hard and make New York part of the... One of the characters, as you hear so often with these things. Yeah. So, like you said, they're establishing that this armored car company is inept. It's corrupt. The, the the partner keeps saying, like, oh, yeah, the guys, you know, we bring the money into the place, and then all of our bosses take money out of the bags. And I, I know a little bit about, I mean, I worked in uh, in retail in college, and I know I used to deal with these armored car guys um, from the vault of the store I worked in. And it's, they are private companies, but... They this movie makes it seem like they just randomly go places and like get bags of money. Do you know what I mean? Like there's they like just no pull up like the stores and they're not even supposed to be there. Just you should have money for us, right? So so maybe that's what this is. I I don't. Maybe this is what it was in the early '80s that it was just kind of like lawless and they had no regulation. Maybe I don't know, but it's pretty wild that that it's just positing this world where there's just places that hold money and don't count it like the stores don't want their money back like this also this has got to be receipts this money all goes back to a central warehouse where it's all put on one pallet together yeah i, I mean how would the stores know which is their money it doesn't make any sense so that this is uh we, we see one day it's you know basically it's just showing the audience how this works that they chris is supposed to stay outside while the other guy goes in he comes out with a like a hand cart full of money they throw it in the truck and then chris stays on the truck so it's showing you like the early scenes of uh, the town, the Ben Affleck movie, because <laughs> that's, that's roughly the plot of that movie too. 
Then on day two, it's it starts the same way. Where again, we're getting more training. We learn about this guy's family and all all this stuff. He shows Chris the the warehouse, like you said, where the money is just put on pallets in one room with no camera, basically guarding the door. There's a dog that lives in the room. Doesn't seem to ever get fed. Nope. Like there's no cameras in the building, and he's just showing like, yeah, th- this place is just terrible. Some nights they don't even bring the money in the building. They just leave it outside. Right. They just park the car in front of the door and just leave the money locked. It's it's. I mean, even if this is really how this company worked in the 80s, it's stupid when you're watching the movie. Like you just sit there and roll your eyes the whole time because it's not – these aren't inventive, corrupt, or inept practices. They're just dumb. Like, oh, they leave the car outside? Fuck you. No one would do that. <laughs> it's stupid. So on day two, it's again they're driving around to get the money. And – when they're at one of their stops, people run by the armored truck and throw a pipe bomb underneath it. And the armored car, like, blows up the front of it. Then these two guys rush at Chris and his partner and start shooting. Chris's partner shot, like, seven times in the stomach. It was <laughs> ridiculous. Over and over, over and over. Like, the, the bad guy is hugging this guy and shooting him in the stomach repeatedly. So that seemed to escalate. Chris is also shot, which was kind of ridiculous. But apparently he was wearing a vest. I don't know. They uh, they don't get away with any money because Chris, I don't know, was able to like scare them off or something. The guys just run away. Um, this is day two on the job for this fucking guy. So this yeah, escalated very quickly. <laughs> Not as quick as John Cena on day one of his security job throwing someone through a window in the Marine. <laughs> but it's up there. I mean, it's, it's pretty close. It's day two, so he got him beat by a day, I guess. Uh, Dwayne Johnson officially re-enters our film. And uh, yeah. he's playing a character named Jay Ransoni. Sure he is. Sure he <laughs> is, movie. I will not be calling him that. He will be Dwayne or The Rock or Johnson. And him and his partner, clearly not in the 80s, but they're in this movie. Yep. His partner's name. Did you get his partner's character name? I missed it. No. It's Officer Johnson. <laughs> God damn it. Yep. So so he's on the walkie like, Johnson, go around back. And he's just talking to himself. Um well, it's like every time they call Hemsworth Chris, he goes, he's here? <laughs> the Rock introduces himself as a cop detective, you know. Like, who's introduced himself that way? <laughs> cop detective, you know. <laughs> he's also trying really hard to, like, nail the landing on this uh, New York accent. Ugh. He gives up very quickly, which is fine. But in this first scene where he's introducing himself, like he's really trying to lean into it because I guess he thinks he's playing an Italian New Yorker. I guess that's who he thinks he's playing. So he's really trying hard to be like, yeah, I'm a cop from New York. Like he's trying to do that. And he just he can't pull it off because it like just strips him of all his character. So he just goes back to playing the rock. You can tell what order they shot his scenes in by how much of an accent he's using. I mean, it's that is more or less accurate. <laughs> it's it's funny, you know, watching this, I don't know if the listeners can can clue into this. This is the most uninteresting movie I've ever seen. And watching it, like, you know, these are relatively talented people. Like even the supporting characters we've been talking about, these are all like relatively talented people. Emma Roberts is pretty good. She does nothing in this movie. This entire movie is people that are like one film away from their super breakout. Right. And and that's why I think a lot of them probably took the movie because they could work on things. You know, like The Rock was probably right. like, oh, I've never played a New Yorker. I can work on that because this is right before he became like he was in the Fast and Furious and like his career got kind of restarted. This is in his weird period where he was still only known as The Rock and he hadn't really had a big film career yet. 
So he was still taking movies like this. Liam Hemsworth, the same thing. Like he was, he's a lot younger than his his brothers. So he's really young here. So he's probably like, yeah, I could probably I'll, I'll work on my American accent in this movie. Who cares? No one's going to see it outside of Croatia. <laughs> I wonder if that was part of the contract deal. <laughs> like the, the Rock and him were like only Croatian releases. So yeah, he he briefly suspects that Chris might have been in on this robbery, but then also immediately is like, nah, he's good. And all the other cops are like, wait, we need to question him. Or he's like, nah, 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 he's fine. Okay, I, I don't know. I don't know what type of cop The Rock is. I mean, he's a detective, but I don't know. So Chris goes home and he has dinner with his family, and no one gives a shit that he was almost killed today. No, he's he's shot. He is sitting at this dinner table, shot. No, he's just like he's like favoring his ribs a little bit. No one really cares. Everyone's just like, yeah, that was weird, right? <laughs> like maybe you shouldn't have this job anymore. Nah, you're good. Go back to work tomorrow. Emma Roberts is in this scene. For some reason, she walks in and is like, I just want to see if you were okay. Sits down at the dinner table, then stands up and says, I have to get to work. So, okay. <laughs> they, they, they broke down the math and they needed one more scene to, to justify her pay, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> she was getting per diem money. I don't know when it happens, and I'm just going to say it now, but his dad lost his job because of that argument with Spiro. That's that's a minor plot development that doesn't go anywhere. But no, he didn't he didn't he didn't qualify for tenure yet with the Greek mob. So they let him go. They keep saying like, oh, you worked for this guy for 10 years. Like, you know, it's <laughs> I'm assuming these were odd jobs where he was just getting handed cash under the table. So I don't know if I would consider that long time in the company. But um, we are now like 30, 35 minutes into this movie. I still don't know what this movie is. I genuinely don't know. Like, usually you can sort of see the the, the way the movie is progressing. I don't know what this is. I don't know if this is just a, a slice of life story about Greek New York. I, I don't I just don't know what it is. Uh, Chris goes to work because he kept the job and he's in trouble at work because all of the other people are upset that he didn't pull out his weapon to defend his partner. So they're all pissed off at him and he gets demoted. He gets put on the night shift sitting in the office just watching the cameras. It's implied that because no one wants him as their partner because he didn't help the other guy. And to me, this this job seems better. Yeah, you don't even <laughs> just sit there looking at cameras all day. There's no there's less danger, presumably. But whatever, he's really upset about it for some reason. And here's where we get more backstory about how dumb the, the company is. That there are people who, because they don't pay overtime, so like the truck drivers just leave the truck, basically with the keys in it, <laughs> just so they can go punch the clock. They hit eight hours. They just jump out of it and walk away like it's Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> it's It's so lazy. Again, even if this was really how it happened with this company, it's so lazy from a movie perspective. You're just staring at it like, fuck you. No one would do. So how does this company stay in business if no one cares about the money? It's stupid. Chris comes across a letter on a desk or something that his partner who had been killed, they're not paying out the insurance, his life insurance to the family. They're like giving him like a percentile of it. And that makes him really upset. So so now we're getting sort of benevolent hero person, Chris. Next day, Chris is talking to Eddie, and Eddie, of course, being the positive influence he has on Chris's life, says, yeah, you should just rob that place. It sounds easy. And you know what? Chris does it, so. <laughs> yeah, no, that one's on Chris. He, he really didn't put up any fight to this. So he goes to work that night. He's just sitting there, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to rob the place. Oh, this fucking theft. This goddamn theft. So here, I, it's it's just, so he he opens the door of the pallet money room like a crack, okay, which triggers the alarm. Then the alarm company calls, and they say, is everything okay? And he says, yeah. So that's the only thing you have to do to trick this alarm company, sure. <laughs> 
Then he goes over with like like a coat hanger, basically, <laughs> and lays on the floor and like uses the hanger to reach into the room so he's not on the camera and pull a bag of money out and takes the money. And it's like $25,000. And there was very dramatic music playing over it. Yeah, it goes on forever. You think maybe the dog is going to pop out. Nothing. He just takes the bag of money. But I have questions because, yeah, you can't see him on camera. But you can see a giant stick pulling the bag of money on this camera, right? And he's the only person in the building, right? Yeah, yeah. So what in the fuck is happening? Uh, One word, ghosts. You tell them that ghosts stole it, and you're fine. The movie goes through, like, paces to explain to you that they do not trust this guy as an employee. Yet they don't fire him. They give him this job, and then they don't even double-check his work. Like, I don't understand. He just stole $25,000, and no one even bats an eye. They give him the job that you would want if you were stealing money. They set him up to do this. And nothing happens with this. This is never revisited. He just gets the money, and then in the next few scenes, they spend it in different ways. Even when things start to go bad later, no one even mentions this This first theft. They go to the the wife of the murdered partner's house. They hand her an envelope of money. She doesn't really seem to question it. And she didn't seem happy either. She just kind of no, looked at it. She's just a person who now got handed money. Never see her again. Don't worry about it. Then, um, because, you know, he's still a really good guy, they decided to blow all this money at a nightclub. So <laughs> I don't I guess I guess not all of this theft was about being a good person. This is a weird scene that I don't really care about. They're there with some girls. Eddie is apparently has is engaged to someone, a character that we don't ever really get to meet. She's just in the movie. She's in the movie? That was her at that table? One of the girls they were with was his fiance. yes. Did not establish that whatsoever. And here's where the point in the movie where Eddie becomes the obvious loudmouth that's going to get everyone into trouble in these movies. He's screaming about how, oh, we have all this money. Let's get champagne. You know, all the stuff that you don't do if you just robbed a a, a vault. Yeah, like it's to a comically level. Like it's hard to believe that this person is based on a real character. Yeah, I mean it's so absurd. Like he's just basically yeah, like every waitress that walks by, he's like, "Hey, my man just stole twenty five thousand dollars, and we're gonna blow it all tonight." But don't tell anyone because if he tells anyone, then we can't do it again tomorrow, which is when he's gonna do. And it's just like so ridiculous. Again, it's all eye rolling. It's just like the level of ineptitude of this money, this bank place, that it's just it's so it takes you out of the movie so far. So they're at this club and Eddie spots uh, Turtle from Entourage and that guy Mike in like a VIP lounge. So he runs over to talk to them. Chris says, don't do that. Eddie ignores him and goes in. And they're apparently making a drug deal with some kind of vague cartelly thing. Yeah. From South America or Mexico or it's very vague. Again, this this movie is 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 awfully racist. So So it's never clear what nationality these people are. He, you know, he gets, they also, they're, the character is played as though he's also like strung out all the time, which never, which is also not clear, but just his mannerisms, like he's like sweaty and he's babbling. Yeah. He's never, he's always talking a mile a minute. He's yeah. Basically he's trying to get, become part of this deal for some reason that turtle and Mike have set up and the way he's doing it is again, he's just talking i guess he's trying to impress them but no one's impressed and then he he feels disrespected and that's where he goes into his pesci stuff and he's like picking fights with them it's really stupid but that's the whole scene he gets dragged out there's no repercussions immediately but obviously this is going to be a thing 
So now th- this foursome of Chris, Eddie, Turtle, and Mike, because of Eddie blabbing his mouth to everyone, decide that they are going to steal the entire armored car that is parked outside of this place one night when Chris is working. Chris is kind of sort of on board for this, and the other guys want to do it because they need the money for that drug deal they're setting up. And, of course, Eddie wants to do it because this is he wants to you know pay for his wedding or whatever. <laughs> Turtle thinks they should sell, tell Spiro, who is nominally their boss, so that they don't get in trouble with the Greek mob. And the other three are like, we're not telling Spiro. It's not happening. So they now we get like sort of the first part of the movie that's kind of like a heist movie. Chris pulls out a like a placemat and starts drawing like a terrible map of the place. Like he just writes the word Empire, which is the name <laughs> of the security place with like a rectangle around it. It's all really dumb, but this is like sort of your Ocean's Eleven scene, I guess. Yes, there. These are some master criminals we're working with, and it's basically like I'm going to be standing here, then you go over here. And then you just drive away. Like that's all the plan is, more or less. But they they make they try and make it interesting. That's part of the I problem mean, if, with this movie. If you're committing a heist, you're making a map. If I were to commit a heist, <laughs> I'm not missing out on the map making portion. That's like one of the best parts in every montage. Yeah, but it's one of the problems with this is that, like you said, it is at least partly based on a true story. And I guess the actual heist was really boring. So, like, the fact that this wants to be a heist movie, but they didn't have a good heist to base it on is part of the problem. There's no moving parts to this heist. It's all just like, yeah, I'm just going to turn off the camera and then you leave. You know, so yeah. so it's the, all the, uninteresting. The main, the main move is, all right, I'm going to call you guys and then you come. Yeah, no, the, the main move is actually that this place has terrible security measures. That's the main move. It, all the work's been done for them. <laughs> like you said, that's the the plan of this scene, basically, that they're going to call Turtle decides not to partake, but the other two guys are waiting for Chris to call so they can come take the car. So now we're, we're with Chris at the uh, the Empire security place, and the door bursts open, and it's the fucking rock pointing a gun at Chris. What was happening? That was one of the most surprising things. So now I'm thinking, is the rock going to rob the place? What the fuck is happening? That's what I immediately thought. This was some kind of weird, you know, now it's, that's switching to the new bad guy of the movie, which would have been interesting. I, I mean, at the very least, this was different because I did not expect that to happen. That was very weird that now the cops have like swarmed the place. And uh, The Rock explains to Chris that they got a tip that this place was going to be robbed. Now, if they got that tip, I don't know why you would kick the door in and point your guns in every direction. I don't know why you would just wait outside. But you know what? Fine. Fine. They wanted to get The Rock doing some stuff. Great. Great. I'm all in for it. It's it's uh, this is so confusing. So then Chris never executes the plan for him and his friends to rob the place because the police are there. So he can't call them to give them to go ahead. But then other people come to rob the place. And this was confusing because this was just coincidentally someone else was going to rob the place. It's just so weird. There was a secondary robbery that just appeared. Yeah. And we don't know any of these people or or we don't know if they're related or if, if this is the one that they got the tip on. We have no idea. There's a shootout. It's like a very uninteresting action scene. They're just kind of hiding behind trucks and shooting at people. The Rock incapacitates one guy, but then because I guess he's bad at being a cop in this movie, like just looks away. And Chris, from 200 yards away, shoots this guy and kills him to save The Rock's life. So... That was weird, too. This low-level security guard <laughs> just saved the cop's life by murdering someone. I don't think you'd be allowed to do that. There'd probably be some kind of repercussions for this. No, I don't even think they talk to him. No, they don't talk to him. And spoiler alert for a scene coming up, this guy 
keeps getting robbed and doesn't lose his jobs. <laughs> no. Right? This this place, this this armored truck company is essentially robbed three times in three days. Yes. More or less. There's people dying on their premises. There's their employees are getting killed. The police are storming the place. No one gives a shit. And I also want to follow up on, on this this theory too. I don't know what kind of cop the rock is. He's just vague detective guy. But wouldn't they be like a lot of robberies at this place? I think maybe it's an inside job. That's fine. But wouldn't they also be like, hey, shouldn't you guys lock your fucking doors or something? Do <laughs> you know what? I, like, they never question, like, why no. is this place so easy to rob that every criminal in goddamn New York tries to rob it? And that's literally pretty much what happens, too, because The Rock and his partner are like, wow, this place is very easy to rob. They say it out loud. Yes, I don't... You know, you'd think you'd call the owner. We also don't even know who owns it. We don't know anything about the... We know the guy, like the HR guy who hired Chris. Is that the owner? Who the fuck are these people? So Mike and uh, Eddie were waiting for Chris's call to do the robbery. They never get it. Chris eventually tells them, the cops are here. You got you to just leave. We can't do it. Mike snaps and assumes that Jimmy, who is the turtle character, <laughs> ratted them out to either the police or Spiro or both, and that's why the cops were there. So they just drive up to this abandoned movie theater that luckily Turtle is standing outside of, and Mike shoots him in the face. Yep, right on the street. You get a nice shot of blood hitting a movie poster. Yep, and it's like, how would they know where this guy was going to be at four in the morning? Why was this guy outside? All of these things seem pretty suspect, but fine. So I, I guess they're trying to establish that Mike is someone you shouldn't be involved in business with. I don't know. Who cares? Again, Mike, not really a character. He's just like a vague guy with a gun. Uh, so next scene, after all this going down, the cops, all this heat on everything, we're back at the diner, and Chris is saying to Eddie, man, wasn't that wild? We got lucky that we didn't do the robbery. And Eddie decides, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to rob the place myself. Chris is saying, no, you can't. This is stupid. You can't do this. It's stupid. Don't do this. And Eddie's saying, no, I, I, I can't go back to not having money. It's too easy. It's too easy. Even though... It clearly isn't easy. People are dying left and right. The cops are now involved. And they are having this conversation in the middle of this diner beyond normal volume. They're like yeah. yelling it across the table at each other. They're just screaming. Um, Mike also still wants to rob the place, obviously, because he needs the money for this drug deal. My not, again, quote unquote, based on real events, fine. But they add no security measures at this place. Nope, that's my note. This place is committed to one guard, no matter what. It's one guard, and it's the guard who keeps getting fucking robbed. <laughs> and they will not change this rotation. They don't add a guy. They don't fix any of the cameras that were broken. They still leave the truck outside. They don't take a break. They don't ask the police for extra help. They do nothing. The next night, it's the same fucking <laughs> situation. Nothing has changed. <laughs> this is, this is again, so stupid. So he's just there, like, just doing his job now, looking at the cameras that are broken, looking at the, the money in the vault. And then from above him, he hears, like, footsteps on the roof. And this is really fucking stupid, but he hears them, and we can hear it's Eddie talking up there. So Chris is thinking, okay, so here comes the robbery part, I guess. And then Eddie falls through the ceiling? What the fuck did he do up there? I, I th th Like, you just hear, like, banging, and then a human's legs come through the ceiling. Yeah, and it's not even, like, a, like a human-sized hole. It almost caves in the entire roof. Exactly, and it's also, like, this is, like, a like a cement building it's not a house what the fuck was he doing up there 
And they never explain it. He just falls in, and then these two get in an argument. Right. Especially because he didn't hear him doing anything until he heard him talking and walking. So I'm pretty sure you would have heard, you know, him chipping through cement for the past three hours. Right. So I, I don't... It just doesn't make any... I mean, did he, I, it just doesn't make any sense. So then he's arguing. Chris is just kind of saying, like, no, don't do this. And Eddie keeps saying, I want to do this. And Eddie pulls a gun on him. Again, this is all, like, very stereotypical hothead movie nonsense. Yeah, It's okay not to be friends with people, everyone. It's okay. <laughs> you know, just stop being friends with these people if they're going to do this to your job. But th- then it gets even weirder. So Eddie is saying, come on, man, I have to rob this place. And Chris is saying, no, I won't let you. But then helps him? He, he Again, he just is immediately, com- he's just like, yeah, sure, I guess so. He helps him, but also doesn't want to, like help him a lot like it's really i don't it doesn't make any fucking sense his argument is he can't be on the camera that's it right he opens the 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 money room door and he kind of like stays in the shadows like out of the cameras and he's telling eddie well there's a camera there so eddie like goes and breaks the camera with his and he's saying oh you have to put your mask on so eddie puts his mask on it's all really stupid and then eddie goes into the money room where they've been holding this eight million dollars on pallets and the dog that's, that lives in this room charges at Eddie, and Eddie shoots the dog. I was so sad. The one character I like in this movie gets shot. The poor dog. So that was sad. And then Chris, uh, Eddie starts bringing money bags out, and Chris says, you know, you really should. I can't believe you're doing this. This is bad. This is bad. And then Eddie hits him over the head with the gun, and Chris gets knocked unconscious. So n- now it's the, uh, the next day. The room has been emptied out. I have questions about how this was physically possible because Eddie was there alone. So did he just make like 50 or 60 trips carrying bags of money and like put yes. them on his like bicycle outside? Because they didn't take the truck, right? No, they did not take the truck. He just walked these all back home. Yeah, just but one at a time. I, it just is so stupid. I don't know how he did any of that. Uh, the Rock is interrogating Chris, who has a you know, huge scar on his face. And he's talking to him, you know, oh, this is this keeps happening to you, huh? Like, oh, how come this keeps happening to you? Chris says, I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about it. It's 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 so at this point, even if it wasn't him, he would go to jail for the rest of his life because it, it would be so obviously him that was in on it. Still not fired yet. Nope, nope. Still got his job. And now we get this is where this movie took a real weird turn. And again, because this is probably this probably really happened. The movie was like really proud that they wanted to put this like hysterosity into it where it's like it's kind of sort of real but we now we get like random cutaways to this like group of lawyers i guess who are all discussing this this crime which is the biggest cash heist in the history of new york or whatever and they're all like name dropping like oh uh, rudy giuliani really wants us to crack down on this thing so then they just assume that it's the five italian crime families that are involved in this not sure which one just one of them yeah and at one point the guy's like yeah just get them all <laughs> like okay but that's how that works you just go around finding the mob yeah and so then we get like a few scenes of like them just dragging out you know vaguely italian mafia looking guys and this doesn't go anywhere but it's like the movie wanted to throw this little nugget in like hey look this actually happened because maybe it did i don't know so that happens. This group of lawyers who were just randomly in it, they leave the movie. We don't ever see them again. So it was just all like random stuff. Oh, and they also, they're insulting the Rocks character, which I didn't understand. Maybe this is also a real character. But one of them is like, yeah, there's a detective on the case, some guy named Jay Ransomi, but I don't think he can pull it off. I'm like, why are we doing that? <laughs> who cares about this? Um, my note around this time was that this movie 
has the dumbest collection of characters I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> like all, every single character in this movie is shockingly stupid. Everything they do from the people who run the money place to Chris, to Eddie, to the Greek mafia guys, to the law enforcement, they're all incredibly stupid and do stupider and stupider things as the movie progresses. Speaking of stupid things that you would do, Eddie is now, uh, Eddie has given the money to Chris. I think, I don't know why you would do that. There's tons of heat on Chris. They put like all the money in Chris's car. Like that's the first place the rock is going to look. But Eddie is driving around town with Mike and Mike is wants the money desperately because he's got to do this drug deal. And Eddie won't tell him where it is. So I don't Mike just killed. You saw Mike kill someone. I don't know why you're now being coy with Mike. He's going to be pissed. So they're driving around town. The rock is following them at this point. The jig is up. The rock is fucking following all the people who did this. So (laughs) it's really ridiculous. And Mike says to him, tell me where the money is. And Eddie says this line, which is so stupid that they didn't realize this was stupid when they were writing it down. He says, if you kill me, you'll never find out where the money is. And I'll tell Spiro that you killed Jimmy. (laughs) Wait, what? What? No, you'll be dead. You can't do the second part. The first part, fine. You won't know where the money is. But you can't ghost tell people (laughs) about murders. You'll be dead. So... If you kill me, you better hope that Spiro never gets his hands on a Ouija board because I'm going to tell him about this. It's so stupid. (laughs) I had to rewind to write down how stupid that line was. Uh, My next note took me by surprise because my note is, holy shit, I just remembered Emma Roberts is in this movie. (laughs) Same exact note. Because she has not appeared on screen in at least a half hour at this point. And even when she was on screen, she did so little. It's remarkable that she is in this movie. Like, I don't even know why the character is in this movie. Forget the fact that it's Emma Roberts. The character doesn't... It, it In any normal movie, she is a love interest. In this movie, she is the woman that works at a diner. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... Even if you don't make her a love interest, she's the confidant. She's... She gets involved in it somehow. She's related to Spiro. There's something else. But this character is literally just like a lady he knows. It's so bizarre. She she basically offers nothing. (laughs) It 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 turns out that Jimmy the Jimmy who's turtle isn't dead. He's just got like a bandage on his cheek. He got shot in the face. He's fuck. He's not dead. And this is how Spiro knows that Mike tried to kill him. So now Spiro wants in on this drug deal. That's the backstory for why this drug deal is now desperately happening. It's great because there's a big dramatic buildup to Turtle coming from a back room with a gunshot wound in his face. And he's, he's on crutches for some reason. He got shot in the yeah, face. I don't, I, don't know know, <laughs> I don't know why he's on crutches. And it has the weirdest Monsters-esque music cue that goes with it. <laughs> I also don't, and, and and he never speaks again. The character, no, he just walked out. He just walked out with a bandage on his on his jaw, and and I guess now Spiro wants it on this drug deal. So Eddie and Mike go to do this drug deal. It's really confusing. They give them all the money from the robbery, or at least most of it. Uh, Eddie hands them eight million dollars or whatever of this ten million dollar robbery. I don't understand what they're doing with it. Like, are they getting drugs in return that then they have to sell? I don't. It's, I have no idea what this is. It's like They're all very worried about it, but I don't know what any of this stuff is. It's just vague no, it's money for drugs. it's a movie drug deal. That's it. The, uh, the, and, and it goes off without a hitch. Yeah, because the, <laughs> the people they're doing the deal with double-cross them, pulls guns on Eddie and Mike saying, just leave, and we're going to keep the drugs and the money. Then the leader of this uh, group shoots Mike in the face 
And Mike just says, man, you shot me in the mouth. What? (laughs) (laughs) What? He didn't slap him. He got shot in the mouth at like point blank range. And he says, I can't believe you shot me in the mouth. Yeah, he was really annoyed by it. So they start shooting at each other and they kill each other, which is, of course, ridiculous. But we just kind of get the glimpses of it in the background. So Mike and this this cartel leader guy shoot each other. Eddie runs away, gets away somehow, which is also stupid. I don't know how we pulled that off. Our next scene, we're back at the diner. And now we get what is obviously a very strange ad lib scene between The Rock and Emma Roberts where The Rock and his partner are there to ask about Chris. Don't know why they would go talk to the diner lady. That doesn't make sense. And they keep saying, like, yeah, we're police officers. And no one believes that they're police officers. (laughs) They're wearing badges. They look pretty official. And she's saying, like, oh, is that a real badge? That's What are you talking about? (laughs) No, I'm just randomly coming here to tell you I'm a cop. What are you talking about? Haven't you heard all the robberies down the street? That's why we're here. All day. Every day this place is robbed. You should know about this. It's just so, and it takes forever. Like the rock's like, oh, here, you want to talk to me? I have this. Can we go, can we go look at Eddie's locker? Eddie used to work here, right? We didn't know Eddie worked at the diner, but apparently he did. And he's got a locker there for some reason. If this is, it's just like at the end of the movie, they were like, fuck, let's just throw everything into this locker so the rock can find it. (laughs) Uh, The rock searches Eddie's locker and he finds that bullshit map that Chris drew earlier with like, like rectangles and lines. Eddie kept it. He hung it up with a nice, like, mommy's little artist like magnet on the inside of his locker right and the the rock looks at this like this is the smoking gun he's been looking for like oh man we got him it's a fucking drawing <laughs> <laughs> there's no proof on that that square is definitely the bank they have all this other evidence that's much more convincing but he needed the placemat drawing like next to tic-tac-toe and crayons that's what he needed to really seal this fucking case uh, the, the Rock confronts Chris and says, hey, you know, we know everything. You know, you're not going to get away with this for much longer. Chris, in a, like a frenzy, runs to Emma Roberts and is saying like, yeah, I made all these mistakes. You, you don't need to know everything. But but, you know, in these movies, when there's like a secret thing, like, I don't know, maybe Inside Out, where they hide the money in the, the crypt at the end and they all get pickle right. rich and all and all that pickle rich. Yep. Uh, and there's always like a little clever thing, like there's like a riddle or a clue you have to figure out, like uh, like in Arrested Development, where they say like uh, you know the money's in the uh, the banana shop, and that means that the money's literally in the banana shop. Yeah, this movie doesn't do any of those clever things. <laughs> Chris just goes to the Emma Roberts character and he says the money's hidden in the statue. So when I go to jail, just look in the statue. That's where the money is. And then it just and then he gets arrested. <laughs> so fucking stupid. Like. <laughs> So this is the a way reference. this movie ends is fucking wild. This this is a reference to that statue they carried in 90 minutes ago that didn't tie into anything else. Right. That they haven't been back to. You've never seen him anywhere near that statue again. No, but but he, he goes to great lengths to explain to the audience and his random friend that that's where all the extra money is hidden inside this statue. Okay, sure. How did they get it in the statue? Did they hollow it out and stuff it inside? What is this statue? I don't understand. Well, listen, statue. as we all know, statues are famously hollow. <laughs> Everything is now falling apart. Eddie is is freaked out because he was just at that bad drug deal. So he goes to uh, basically right outside of Chris's house in front of the statue and pulls a gun on him and, and tells Chris, you have to give me the money because I, I need the money. I got to get out of here now. So th- this is now escalating to a dumb degree. This is really stupid. And then out of nowhere... Eddie gets shot by Chris's father, who has re-entered the film and is now 
I don't know, just trolling his backyard with a weapon? I don't understand. <laughs> so Eddie gets shot in the shoulder. He's in pain. Again, he basically no-sells this gunshot wound. He's like, owie, owie. <laughs> it's, a, well, it's the second time he's been shot in two days. He's fine. <laughs> uh, the, the Rock and company pull up. They, uh, they they arrest Eddie. They arrest Chris, too. They don't really have great hard evidence. I mean, they have the camera footage where Eddie is clearly talking to someone, but they can't prove who it is, which is stupid. Uh, they get dragged away. Uh, we, we, were, we get a kind of a closing shot on the statue. And then we get more news footage, like real news footage. And then it morphs into modern day Chris, the character Chris. The real version of him. So now I'm thinking, holy shit, this, they even left the name the same? This, I didn't know any of this. <laughs> and it's, I guess it's the director saying, like, yeah, they never found the rest of the money, huh? And Chris saying, no, nope, just disappeared. No idea where any of it is. <laughs> and then the movie ends with a shot of the statue as we get credits. So this guy just told on himself on film. <laughs> it's the most jarring and random ending because... As I said, I was not even convinced the whole time that this was like like a real story about the this group of people. And then to see like the person in the movie who by the way looks nothing like Liam Hemsworth <laughs> like basically broadcasting that he got away with stealing money and they he did go to jail him and Eddie again also who I guess is a real character. They went to jail for like a decade for their role in the crime. It's just it's absolutely wild. The way this movie ends is such a we don't have an interesting ending in real life, so let's just end it here and go to, like, found footage. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about this in the three count, I think, but that's one of the problems I have with this movie overall is that it's so uninteresting in its execution. Like, even the premise is lazy heist movie nonsense, but the movie is so uninteresting. There's just these characters that don't matter. There's not even a real payoff because I guess they didn't want to deviate from this story that they found so compelling for their own lives. But nothing happens. There's no like exciting action. The heist isn't interesting. The 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 interpersonal drama is very boring. We've watched a lot of bad movies and this might be the most boring movie we've ever covered. Ignorance is bliss. Alrighty, now it is time for Ignorance is Bliss, which is the segment of the show where we tell people the name of the movie and the wrestler in it, and they have to tell us what they think it's about. So uh, one, one of our entries didn't send us their name. And uh, from time to time, this does happen, and I don't read them because I want to give credit to, to these these idiots who write in. But <laughs> I, I, I like this entry. So if this is yours, write back and tell me that you wrote this so that I can give you credit in a future episode. But, but here's the entry from, I, I don't know, <laughs> the uh, the unknown bone soldier is, is that something we can do? <laughs> they th- here's what I think Empire State is about. It's a young Dwayne Johnson plays a top college basketball prospect who decides to attend Empire State University. <laughs> Once he gets there, however, he is faced with corruption at every level as his teammates are all using steroids and the university's wealthy boosters are flooding the school with illegal funding to help the team go to the next level. Johnson must use his wits and fists to turn the program around before the end of the season. It's great. Great. It, it's I'm, like I would watch that. It's like Reggie's prayer wrapped up with like blue chips with that Shaq movie. <laughs> you know, it's it's got a young Dwayne Johnson. So, so I'm assuming this person thinks uh, it's like pre wrestling Dwayne Johnson when he was a college athlete. Great. Everything. I, I wish that was what this movie was. I also love the fact that. 
They went with Empire State as the college, which makes way more sense. I have no idea why this fucking movie's called Empire State. It's stupid. Because New York. Stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Kramer, I also spoke to my father about what he thought Empire State starring Dwayne Johnson was about. So let's hear his thoughts, and then we'll get your take afterwards. Hey, Dad. Hello, Chris. So today's movie is called Empire State, and it stars the wrestler Dwayne Johnson. What do you think that's about? Well, obviously, Empire State, we're talking about New York State. And (laughs) um, as far as the movie premise, hmm, I would say it's more of a comedy. Okay. <laughs> so you, you you think that this is not metaphorical that they're referencing an empire state. You think that it actually just takes place in New York. Yes. Okay, and so you said it, it's a comedy. Uh what what do you think a movie based in New York what type of comedy would it be? Is it an adult comedy? Is it a teenager comedy? What is it? I would say it's uh a teenager comedy. Okay. And we have the wrestler Dwayne Johnson. What what role do you think he plays? I would say he's 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 one of the char- one of the main characters. So you think this is an ensemble comedy? Is is it a bunch of uh 20-somethings? Is it a bunch of uh students in some capacity? I would say yeah, more like 20-somethings. Okay. And what what type of comedy is it? Uh, you said it's a, a teen comedy. Is that <laughs> What what type of things would these 20-somethings be doing in a teen comedy? Let's put it this way. Life living in Manhattan. Okay, so, so these are the, the main group of people in the movie are a bunch of young professionals, you think? Something like that? Yes. And it's just about how their their lives intersect, so it's more like... Uh... How their lives and careers intersect. <laughs> Let's put it this way. <laughs> so I, I don't know... It's very, yeah. So he described it as a teen comedy starring 20-somethings who have careers. So I don't know what he thinks a teen comedy is. (laughs) (laughs) But it's about them doing that in New York, the Empire State. Right. Well, that's a thing that he was very excited to know because because my father is from New York. So he was very excited that he knew that fact. Also revealing on, on this little thing, my father does not know who Dwayne Johnson is. <laughs> no, no. No idea who the most famous action star in the world is. Yes, it does does not know The Rock's real name. If, if he did, he would have, I mean, that would have, that colors your entire, he still would have been wrong because this is not an action movie, but that would have colored his entire perception of Empire State. I hope we still have time in The Rock's career where we can get more Dwayne Johnson teen comedies that he could be in. <laughs> That's the other thing. It's like he got so fixated on the fact that he knew what the Empire State was that he completely forgot the premise of the show he's on, that it has to be a wrestler in this role because he cast our wrestler as one of a group of teenagers. Oh. That makes me feel bad because not even your father appreciates what we do here. I, I'm honestly, I don't think he's ever listened to our show. I think once or twice he skimmed through his part, but, but I think that's about it. Yes, damn, I'm good. Anyway, <laughs> another an, another podcast saved for me. <laughs> Alrighty, that was ignorance is bliss. You, you know, Kramer. I usually I do like sort of like a fun intro for for our next segment, but honestly, this one just sucked the life out of me. So we're just gonna do the three count now. <laughs> 
All right, Kramer, three count. First question, is this a wrestling movie? No, this is not a wrestling movie. They don't even let Dwayne do any hand-to-hand fighting in this. No, he just does some some shooting. He's also not good at it. He has to get saved by uh, by by a Hemsworth at one point. It's it's not a wrestling movie. It's not even an action movie. It's not a heist. It's not a teen comedy like my father thinks. I don't know what this movie is, and that frustrates me probably more than anything else about this movie. I just don't know what it wanted to be. <laughs> Kramer, but you know what? Sometimes movies we can't explain are really good movies. Is that the case with Empire State? Uh, yes, this is one of the greatest films I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, no, this is trash. It's like he cut. It's like the director cut and pasted his favorite parts from other mob movies, and just kind of put them all into one movie. I mean, I guess, but man, this is just not a good movie. On there's there's nothing redeeming about it. You can't laugh at it. It's so flat. Like everything about it is. Are you? You're. You're. You. You did some science stuff in your life, right, Kramer? Yes, I've done science stuff. Are you? Are you familiar with the concept of inertia? Yes. Okay. This film is inert. There's no <laughs> emotional pull. There's. There's just nothing happening. It's the most uninteresting film I think I've ever seen, and it's got all of these like charismatic people in it who come out looking so bland. And uninteresting. I mean, if you gave me these three actors today, I could make a good movie. Of course, just not good, Kramer. <laughs> just, just do, Kramer. Just do the right thing and put this where it belongs on the card. Do the right thing. Uh, you know, I always do the right thing when I put it where it belongs on the card, and you never have a problem with it. And today is no different. <laughs> this movie is one hundred percent a main event film. Oh fuck no no way. Fuck it you. is it is a main event. I'm not put, I'm not an, writing this down. Of, it is a main event of an NXT pay-per-view because it has all these fan favorites who are ready to graduate to the main roster but they got to get through this one more time before they get called up and Liam Hemsworth becomes the star we know he is and they call him Trip Cartwright or something. <laughs> Look, that is complete nonsense. I'm going to, for the listeners at home, I'm going to give you the real answer. This is the prototypical jobber film. This is so, do not watch this movie on any level. <laughs> avoid, avoid, avoid. I don't care if it's on Tubi. I don't care if it gets comes up free on Netflix or YouTube or wherever. Do not watch this movie. It is terrible. If, if I didn't have to take notes for this movie, I would have forgotten everything about it immediately. I was You heard me during my rundown. I was forgetting <laughs> things about it. It's so uninteresting. I mean, f- how is Emma Roberts in this movie for four <laughs> minutes? How is she in this movie for four minutes? Kramer, you know what might have helped this movie a little bit? You know what might have helped it? Some surprises, like we do on our show with The Swerve. This is the swerve. All righty, Kramer. We're 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 gonna we're gonna save this episode with, with a with a rollicking fun swerve. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. So usually our swerves, we 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 lean more towards the wrestler. You know, we'll give you random facts about Terry Funk's career, or we'll we'll or you'll do that weird thing where you confuse the hell out of me by listing random crap, and then I don't know what the swerve is even about. <laughs> but for this one, we're gonna be focusing on the star of today's film, Liam Hemsworth. And we're going to be playing a game which I've coined, which Hemsworth is which? Because <laughs> as you know, the Hemsworth brothers are three pretty successful actors. 
So I'm going to be asking you a, que- a series of questions about them, and you're going to tell me which Hemsworth the question refers to. For the listeners at home, the Hemsworth brothers are Liam Hemsworth, who uh, was the star of today's movie Empire State, Chris Hemsworth, who is the most famous of the brothers. He played Thor in the Marvel movies, of course, and their older brother, Luke Hemsworth. So are you ready, Kramer, for which Hemsworth is which? Yes, they're all Luke. This Hemsworth co-starred in the new Star Trek film series. Name that Hemsworth. That Hemsworth is Chris Hemsworth. That is correct. He played Captain Kirk's father. That's weird. Uh, well, it was, you know, Kirk was a baby. Uh, it, it He is rumored to be coming back for the next one. They were going to do like a time travel deal. But, like, it's been in development hell because, like, everyone wanted a lot of money. (laughs) So (laughs) no one's making that movie yet. But anyway, this Hemsworth had a lead role in a Quibi original series. (laughs) You remember Quibi, right? You're a big Quibi fan. Which Hemsworth is this? As a day one subscriber to Quibi, (laughs) um, I got a bumper sticker and a card everything. I'm going to say it was Luke Hemsworth. You are incorrect. It was uh, Empire State's Liam Hemsworth, who played what the lead. You played the lead role in the most dangerous game Quibi series, which I actually watched <laughs> in in eight second intervals on your cell phone. Yeah, it's 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 rem- it's so weird. <laughs> one season, fifteen episodes. It's like seventy minutes long. Okay, this Hemsworth appeared in one of the Expendables films. Which Hemsworth is that? I'm going to say this is, again, Liam Hemsworth. You are correct. Liam Hemsworth appeared in The Expendables 2, which, remarkably, does not feature any professional wrestlers. So I was I was hoping for another tie-in there, but no, there there's no wrestlers in The Expendables 2. I think there are wrestlers in 1 and 3, I believe, but none in so 2. So we, we can skip 2 when we get to it. We'll do 3, then 1. I, I don't like that this is your new gimmick. This Hemsworth has actually guest starred on The Rock's current TV series, Young Rock. Name that Hemsworth. Is this Hemsworth Luke Hemsworth? This Hemsworth is Luke Hemsworth. Very good. Woo! I guess that one. He's actually a recurring character. He plays uh, He plays like a coach, like I think a wrestling coach of The Rock's uh, younger self, I believe. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, this Hemsworth dated and was then married to Miley Cyrus. Name that Hemsworth. That is the almighty Chris Hemsworth. That is incorrect. (laughs) That is Liam Hemsworth. They dated on and off for a long time and then were married for a couple years before uh, getting divorced uh, about a year and a half ago. So, This Hemsworth is a series regular on the HBO series Westworld. Name that Hemsworth. Luke Hemsworth. That's a Luke sounding show. That is correct. Luke Hemsworth is a regular on the series Westworld. He plays one of like... A robot? He does not actually play one of one of the robots. He plays sort of like the head of security. Yul Brenner? No, 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 not Yul Brenner. The diff- different Westworld. Oh. All right, and our final, which Hemsworth is which? This Hemsworth is married to one of The Rock's Fast and Furious franchise co-stars. Name that Hemsworth. Oh, is it our boy, Liam? It is not Liam. This is Chris Hemsworth, who is married to Elsa Pataki, who played... Vin Diesel's girlfriend in uh, three or four of the Fast and Furious movies. I if if you, I didn't I didn't realize that the third one's name was Luke. I'm pretty sure Luke and Liam are the same, and they're just switching mustaches. No, it's funny they don't they don't Luke looks the least like the other two. Chris and Liam look almost identical. Luke looks different. It's funny. Um, you did terribly on this. I thought you were gonna like, get like all of these. <laughs> I did not realize the Hemsworth family. <laughs> was a difficult topic for you to talk about. 
<laughs> well, I mean, really, it, it starts with Chris, ends with Chris. Very similar to the uh, Baldwin family. It starts with Daniel and stays with Daniel. Listen, if we, I don't know if there is one, there has to be one, but if we ever sneak in a Baldwin into this podcast, we're definitely bringing this game back, and that would be 10 times harder than the Hemsworth thing. <laughs> Because the Baldwins are like, forget the, not only that, but the trivia with them is like wild. Like you could come up with like crazy shit too. (laughs) Doesn't half of them like, like run a ministry in like some part of the country or something? Like there's like weird shit. Like cool skateboard ministries. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why we're talking about the Baldwins now. Different show. We now are on a different podcast. But you know what, Kramer? I think we've done the job for Empire State. Let's never, never speak of this again. And let's hope that your next pick is much more memorable. Um, yes. My next pick is, and I'm calling it right now, a revenge pick uh, for making <laughs> me watch this movie. <laughs> we just watched a real movie. It wasn't good, but it was a real movie. Yeah. So I'm going to now choose a movie. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> we will be watching the 2006 film Curse of the Wolf. What? Starring the ECW original, The Blue Meanie. No way. And the one, the only, the genius, Lanny Poffo. Wait, what? So, in the words of HBK to Ric Flair, Sacco, I'm sorry. I love you. This, wait a minute. I can't, so first of all, Leaping Lanny, very excited that he's in a movie. This does not seem, again, we play this game where we try and surprise each other. I can't even comprehend what you're saying to me. What is this one called? Curse of the, of Curse of the Wolf. Great. Just, is, is the Blue Meanie billed as the Blue Meanie? Of course he is. He is billed as the Blue Meanie. And spoiler, his hair is still blue in this film. It's great. Of course. Why, why wouldn't it be? Why? I mean, he just, he's probably wearing his wrestling gear. That's amazing. That does not sound real. So it might not be real, but we're going to find out (laughs) together as a show, as a family. (laughs) So, uh, so we'll see. We might have to just call an audible on the fly and do a different movie because <laughs> this one might not exist. But uh, uh, until we find out if that movie is real, you can follow us on Instagram at movie.marks or on Twitter at I, I did it again. I can't say that word. <laughs> Twitter at movie underscore marks. You should like, rate, review, subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening now and on other things. Just go around clicking subscribe to us wherever you are. If you have comments we uh, about our show or suggestions for movies we should cover, have you seen Curse of the, what is it, Curse of the Bambino? What is this? Yes, it's Curse of the Bambino, where a woman <laughs> tries to cure her Babe Ruthism to be part of society. Um, you can email us at themoviemarks at gmail.com. Some of our segment music and our bumper music is by Ryan Sinisi. You should Google him and check out his stuff. And, of course, we are actively seeking corporate sponsorship of any kind. Um I don't want to be affiliated with Empire State, so I do not want to sponsor for this movie. I'm sorry. This is where we draw the line, folks. This movie. Uh, Hold on one second. (laughs) Cancel that meeting with the Armored Car Company for that sponsorship. (laughs) That does it for us here. Until next time, I'm Chris Sacco. I'm Chris Kramer. And we're the Movie Marks. Mr. Potomac. Jay Ransone. Cop. Detective, you know. 